Hey, readers and writers. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 12. Today I'm reading the first chapter of The Nine by C.G. Harris. It's book one in their series, The Judas Files, and if you like what you hear, there's a link in the show notes to download a free copy of the book. Let's get into this. Cold. It's the worst thing about hell. You could wrap yourself in miles of spare rags and old salvage clothes and light them on fire, but it never made a difference. When the cold came from inside, nothing could make you warm again. Hell's been called a lot of different things. Doomtown, the Asylum, Hades, the Rotten Apple. But when Dante wrote The Infernal, he got the story right. Part of it, anyways. He talked about the nine circles of hell and how each one was worse than the last. Subtract levels one through eight and he had it. Everything is level nine, where the real baddies went to endure sub-zero climates and had their nether reasons cradled in cryogenic underwear. My part of the nine, as we locals refer to the place, is a cozy little armpit known as Scrapeyard City. It's a dry, frigid maze of high-rise shanties, catwalks, and junk metal barely fit to stand, much less protect the woebegone souls who inhabit it. My black market shop is grounded right in the middle of all of it, giving me a great view of the drum fires and fellow woebegone who still believe they can absorb some warmth off the flames. If it's heat they wanted, they're about to get all they could handle. I glanced out through the open window of my shop and stared at the reddening sky. A firestorm was coming. A twisted reprieve from the humdrum of the Arctic life. The crowds of Wobegong going about their business on the catwalks and pathways outside hadn't noticed the impending cast of catastrophe. Most wrapped themselves up like Tuscan raiders so their clothes obscured their view. I stuck to my t-shirt and button fly 501s. They kept me just as warm and I was comfortable. I pulled a brace out of my shop window and let one of the heavy overhead shutters come down. My little store happened to be one of the only shielded structures in Scrapeyard City. If I didn't close up before the impending storm, my tiny slice of paradise would be overrun with every killer, thief, and rapist within 200 yards. The bolt for the shutter slid in place with a grinding thunk. I was about to reach for the brace holding up the other, but something caught my eye on the corrugated walkway outside my window. A young girl, a woebegone no more than 19, staggered along looking less than oriented. I squinted, thinking she looked familiar, and shied back when I remembered from where. A girl from my past. The resemblance was uncanny. The moment I made the connection, I knew it couldn't be her, but she made my arm hair prickle anyways. I watched the girl for a few moments, her wide, erratic eyes shifting from place to place, body language and movement aimless. She was fresh born out of the gnashing fields, the endless pools of burning sulfur where woebegone suffer for an eternity of torture and rebirth when they die in the nine. No doubt about it. She would have no memory no clue about where she was or what happened. At least not until she regains her memories in a few weeks, but the firestorm was coming now. I squeezed my eyes shut. This wasn't my problem. There were hundreds, thousands of other freshborn out there just like her. The storm would have them all. Tough luck, but that's the way it was. I wouldn't run out and risk my neck for some strange girl, even if she did remind me of someone from my past life. Someone I owed an enormous debt to. Someone who suffered because I didn't have the guts to help her sooner. I pulled the brace to the second shutter and let the heavy steel slam before ramming the last bolt home. Then I ran out the door, risking my stupid neck for a girl I didn't know. The other woebegone had noticed the sky by now. It was hard to miss. A rolling cloud of thick black smoke full of lightning and swirling flame. The girl stood there, barefoot in jeans and a thin plaid shirt. 
The crowd tossed her around like an old dodgeball. Her hands were up, protecting either side of her face as if she could box herself in against the insanity. I sighed as the first drop of molten fire hit the ground. I wound through the frantic crowd, feeling the hot wind swirl and gust through the twisted pathways. The woebegone ran everywhere, and I lost sight of the girl several times as the mass of bodies bounced me back and forth. She had her hands over her ears now, squinting her eyes shut and shaking her head. I sprinted forward, shouldering the woebegone aside. One hit me hard enough to spin me backwards, but I kept going, making my way to the girl. Miss, I called out to her. Miss, if you come with me, I can help you. My hand touched her shoulder and she spun to look at me. The innocence in her deep blue eyes was so plain I couldn't imagine how she ended up in a place like this. They had the color of robin's eggs and her blonde hair was a tangled mess around her fingers. Miss, I said again, ducking a little to match her height. You need help. I reached out to take her hand. The young woman met my eyes, and in one smooth motion, she slapped me so hard my cheek felt like I'd caved in. She screamed, leave me alone, and scurried off like a frightened rabbit. I stood there, rubbing my face and took inventory of my teeth with my tongue. The girl didn't run far. She sprinted up two flights of rusty stairs, only to find herself cornered between a corrugated steel wall and a dead-end rail, the only thing standing between her and a thirty-foot drop to the frozen ground. Her gaze darted to every dark corner or ledge big enough to squeeze a toe onto. She seemed desperate for an escape, but she wouldn't find one. Scrapeyard City had collapsed and been put, to get, put back together so many times the entire place looked like a pile of loose junk than a collection of structures. The city was a virtual labyrinth of ladders, stairs, and catwalks that led, out, led to nowhere. And if the firestorm turned out to be as half as bad as it appeared, the resident will be gone would be rebuilding their ramshackle structures yet again. I tried not to come off as creepy or threatening as I grinned and crept towards the frightened girl's corner position. Nope. Not creepy or threatening at all. What's happening? Where am I? Leave me alone. She shook her head in a little panic jerks. My hands were out in front of me to show I meant no harm when a hot steam of molten fire grazed my forearm. I winced and ground my teeth. The storm was ready to break. I didn't know how much longer I could risk standing out in the open and still make it back to my shop in one less than overdone piece. The girl screamed again, a wordless shriek born of pure hysteria. I'm getting fried trying to help you. Stop wailing and come here. The girl answered with another scream, only this time she punctuated the sonic gesture with a turn and climbed onto the rail. Whoa, I froze and my stomach dropped into my boots. She wasn't even going to wait for the storm. Calm down. My hand found its way into my pocket and I laced my fingers through a familiar metallic object. You're not going to make it if you jump. Let me help you. I took a step forward and the girl threw her legs over the rail. The wind picked up and the ever-increasing hailstorm of Satan's molten spit became harder and harder to avoid. If this girl didn't come down in the next few seconds, we were both going to take a long soap in the gnashing field's sulfur pools. The girl tilted her head and leaned forward, but she had her hands wrapped around the rail, but she had her hands wrapped around the rail, not quite committed to her suicidal insanity. I lunged, drawing the knuckle stunner out of my pocket as I went. She never heard me coming. I caught her wrist and jerked her back just as her fingers loosened on the rusty metal railing. Sorry about this, miss, but we're out of time. We gotta go. I tapped her with a knuckle stunner wrapped in my fist, a defense mechanism raid right here in the nine. The high tech set of brass knuckles short-circuited the brain temporarily. How long the effect lasted and how much the blow hurt depending on how hard you punched. The girl fell into my arms and I managed to blow her back over the rail and heft her onto my shoulder. A loose piece of tin rattled against the nearby wall, so I tore the panel off the rusty screw that held it in place. The razor-sharp hunk of metal wasn't perfect, but it made a de decent makeshift fire umbrella. 
The flimsy steel of metal might prevent us from gaining a few red-hot piercings on our way back to my shop. Scorching wind assaulted my face and threatened to steal my garden shed umbrella as we crossed the open catwalk. The girl still didn't move. Definitely a good thing. If she woke up now, I'd have to leave her. Woebegone began to fall. They sprawled down the stairs, sometimes two or three deep, making it all but impossible to navigate with the girl's dead weight on one shoulder and my shield clutched in my other hand. I lost my balance and my heel came down hard on someone's finger. They made an audible crunch. A woebegone screamed and glanced down to see a man lying below me. A three-inch hole burned through his bicep. If you don't move, you're going to have a lot worse things to worry about. I gave him a nudge with my sneaker, but he just looked at me with a pathetic expression. Sorry, bud. Only one rider per storm. If you don't care enough to help yourself, I can't help you either. I trudged forward, hearing the hollow ting of molten fire hit my shield. The woebegone had thinned, many finding shelter, more finding death and returning to the gnashing fields. My legs felt like they were ready to fold like cheap plastic. I really need to think about jogging or maybe check out that new CrossFit torture craze. My shop came into view and I groaned, coming to a momentary halt. A goon had taken up squatters right in my doorway. He stood there with an ear-to-ear -ear grin watching as the woebegone fell to the increasing storm. I had left without locking my door. Not a smart move. Lucky for me, the goon seemed too preoccupied with the show to go in and look lock the place down. His face hardened as I made my way towards him. Show off, this is my place. The guy had a good eight inches on me and at least 50 pounds. Marred, poorly done tattoos covered his shaved head and shirtless body. My favorite artistic catastrophe was the pelican stenciled across his fat belly. The bird wore a sailor's hat and bore one scrawny leg half the length of the other. Afraid I can't do that, I said. This is my place. So if you could step aside. Pelican belly made his move. I tossed my shield in his direction as a distraction and drew the knuckle stunner. With the girl on my shoulder, I couldn't dodge his haymaker completely, but I managed to snake my own shot in. This time, the knuckle stunner went off like an audible crack, and Pelican Belly went flying. He hit the wall and staggered, then he straightened and shot me a smile, inviting me with a wave of his grimy hand. And there you have it, the first chapter of the nine. Like I said, if you click the link in the description below, you'll get a free copy of the full book. So if you liked what you heard, you can definitely read more of it. And join me next Wednesday when I'm going to talk to Jessica Riley about dystopian novels. And until then, keep reading, keep writing, and go do what you do best. You got this, folks. Read and Write Podcast is edited and produced by Deborah Zebarth. Theme music was written and performed by Zed Bradley. Audio effects were created by Red Octopus and Black River Phonogram. Show notes and previous episodes can be found at readandwritepodcast.com. If you'd like to support the podcast for just $1 a month on Patreon, I'll give you a personalized shout-out on every episode. And shout-out for this week is C-Kid, Dos Rios, and Pikachu. You guys are awesome, and I definitely couldn't do it without you. Special thanks to Carrie Flanagan and Chuck Harrelson and all the subscribers who make this podcast possible. And that's it. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to rate, read, and write on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you have a suggestion for a future episode, drop me a line. I'm always open to suggestions. Also, did you know that Read and Write publishes three episodes a week? Check out the podcast's YouTube channel for Write With Me Mondays live streams and 30-second book reviews on Fridays.